Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, hello there, everybody. Hope all's well. You're dialed in with Tom Brenneman. Hope your week's going great, weekend's going great. Wherever it is, you might be listening. I'd like to thank, as always, the Believe Network for believing in this show. We thank Dave Armbruster, our engineer and producer, for taking care of business so brilliantly as he always does. We thank our good friend Mike Reed, a writer of over 50 number one hits, for writing the music for this show. I hope you enjoyed the Jerry Colangelo visit the last couple of weeks. Um, a guy who actually was an employee uh, for Jerry Colangelo is our guest this week. Uh, I just saw him last weekend when the Diamondbacks had the 20th reunion of winning that incredible World Series in 2001 over the New York Yankees in seven games. Craig Council, he is currently, of course, the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. We're going to talk to him about twice being on base in the last at bat of a World Series in game seven. Bottom of the 11th inning for the Marlins in 97. Bottom of the 9th inning for the Diamondbacks in 2001. What it's like to manage in the big leagues and the player of today. Craig Council coming up next. You're dialed in with Tom Brenneman. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details or for the free conversation with a therapist, call 1-844-YES-CHNK. Living with Change is a nonprofit organization supporting transgender youth and their families. Transgender youth face higher rates of violence, victimization, substance abuse, suicide risk, and homelessness, but have few resources to help deal with those issues. To combat those numbers and in partnership with Cincinnati's Children's Hospital, LWC created with Living with Change Center for Gender Health, serving more transgender patients and families than any other center in the Midwest. For more, please log on to livingwithchange.org. Craig John Council was born in August of 1970 in South Bend, Indiana. He grew up in Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, where his father worked for the Milwaukee Brewers in community relations. After high school, Craig attended the University of Notre Dame and played on the baseball team there for head coach Pat Murphy, who now, by the way, is a member of Craig's coaching staff as manager of the Brewers. In 1992, Craig Council was drafted out of Notre Dame in the 11th round of the MLB Amateur Draft by the Colorado Rockies. He made his Major League debut three years later, played in only three games that year. In 96, he was back to AAA, got hurt, and then in 97, he was traded to the Florida Marlins. Jim Leland, the manager, almost immediately made Council the starting second baseman. 
He would end up scoring the winning run in the bottom of the 11th inning in Game 7 of the World Series later that year. In 1999, he was traded to the Dodgers, who released him during spring training. He was picked up immediately by the Arizona Diamondbacks. In 2001, Council was named the National League Championship Series Most Valuable Player in the Diamondbacks' five-game series win against Atlanta. Roughly 10 days later, he reached base off Mariano Rivera in the bottom of the ninth inning of the 2001 World Series Game 7 again. The next batter behind him, Luis Gonzalez, followed with a base hit to win it for the D-backs four games to three. In 2003, he would be traded to his hometown Brewers. He retired in 2011. After three years working in the Brewers franchise, he would be named manager in May of 2015. His imprint on the team began immediately. Starting in 2018, it was a 96-win season, a trip to the National League Championship Series. The Brewers, for the first time ever, have been to the playoffs now in four consecutive years. Craig and his wife, Michelle, have four children, two boys, two adorable little girls. Craig Council, welcome to Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Uh, I got to ask you, after all that I just mentioned, is there something I forgot that maybe you're most proud of or that I should have mentioned? Uh, well, yeah, it's like a, this is my life, at least my work life, at least. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of great baseball moments for sure, um, and it's been a, it's been a great fun journey. Um, hopefully, there's uh, there, there's some more some more ahead. I guess that's how I look at it. Well, let me ask you. I want to go back to the very beginning, and and, and I mentioned earlier your dad worked for the Brewers. You hear about this all the time, and and look, you know, I I grew up in a house where my dad was involved with baseball too, Major League Baseball, like your dad. So the easiest thing in the world to say or to ask is, you know, did you take to baseball because of your dad? But that's not always the case. It could have been your mom. It could have been your buddies. And really, how much baseball, and I don't ask this facetiously, I think a lot of people wonder this, how much baseball can you play in the spring in Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt my dad introduced me to the game. Um, I always say my dad introduced me to the game, and my mom instilled in me a, a work ethic. Uh, she was the... She was the daughter of a farmer um grew up on a farm and and she to this day just she's a worker that's what she does um and i got that from her with, without a doubt um yeah the baseball in wisconsin it's a funny question i i one night uh, uh one, one of the you know we make we get to do all these great things in this journey and one night i got to sit with bob costas and hank aaron and hank aaron asked me that same question he asked me how did you become a major league baseball player playing baseball in the spring in Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, the best way I could answer it is, you know, we didn't play that much in the spring, but in the summer, you know, we played this game. Essentially, it was stick ball. You know, it's not played anymore. It's it, we, we called it strikeout. It was, you know, we spray painted a strike zone on the school wall, and it was one on one baseball. There's a pitcher, there's a hitter, and you got 30 at bats a day, and I know people, kids play travel ball and club ball and all that today, but I got I was getting 30 at bats a day um, playing against a playing against one on one baseball, um, and that's how I feel like I always caught up against other kids. That's a great story. I mean, it's really interesting because you know I, I read my old buddy Barry Alvarez all the time, a longtime football coach and later AD at Wisconsin. They don't even have a, a, a baseball team at the University of Wisconsin. I mean, I mean so the weather, I mean, it, it's tough. You decide to go to Notre Dame. 
you play for Pat Murphy. Now, now Pat Murphy is one tough dude. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he seems like Craig. He 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 would be if you're an old school guy, your kind of guy. Did you feel that way about him when he recruited you? Yeah, let me tell you first that I tr- have tried on numerous times to get Barry Alvarez to, to start a baseball program. <laughs> <laughs> Unsuccessfully. Right, 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 right. Un- unsuccessfully. But, yeah, Pat was, you know, Murph, as I guess most people call him, was he's hard-nosed. There's no question about it. And um, I didn't know that going in, really. Um, you know, I, I just – it was Notre Dame. I was fortunate enough to get into school, and, and my dad had went there. I was born in South Bend. Um, so I, I thought it'd be a thrill to go to school there. Um, when I get there, I found out I was playing for a, for a little bit of a crazy man, but, yep. but he, he taught us all so much. Um, and I'm thankful for it. There, there's no question that, you know, that we assign this trait to players, mental toughness, and it's, it's hard to define and hard to exactly know what it is, but I know my four years there, uh, he, he tested that and taught that to us every day. He told me a story one day, Craig Council, uh, about hitting ground balls to you one day. Uh, one of them takes a bad hop. It hits you right in the face. It breaks your nose. You go to the hospital. You get the thing fixed up. And he said, hours later, you're back on the field again. You remember that day? You got to remember that day, right? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I got a bit of a big nose, so it was an easy <laughs> target. And um, it was a late... It was a November day um, in South Bend. Pat, Ms. Murphy was upset that we had lost to USC the, the weekend before in a couple of exhibition games. He was not happy with my play at third base, so <laughs> he decided to hit me some hard ground balls, and, and one of them got me. Um, I did come back to practice that night <laughs> uh, because that's what we did. Uh, that's what we were taught to do. Um, I don't think I was special in that regard, to be honest. It, it, it's what we all would have done. Um, and it's fun. It's what's fun about being on a team. Um, you, you're kind of doing it for each other when you do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You were drafted in the 11th round. Now, now some people might say 11th round. I mean, back in those days, the ML, MLB draft could go as many as 62, 63, 64 rounds. So 11th round is pretty high up. You go single A, you go double A, you go triple A. Boom, boom, boom. But then you play three games for the Rockies in 95 near the end of the year. You never play for the Rockies really ever again. Why? Yeah, so I, I mean, I was, I, I went to 96, you know, I got sent down in spring training. Um, and then three weeks into the season, I broke my leg. So I missed the whole season um, of 96. Uh, so I started the year in minor leagues again in 97 and had a great year. Um, was, was playing really, really well. Um, and we got to the trade deadline and um, the Rockies were out of it. Uh, the Marlins were in it. And the, the strange part about it was it was a unique trade where I was like the young player being traded to the playoff contending team. Yeah. Generally, it's, it kind of works the other way around. Um, but it was it was a fortunate trade for me, uh, something I wasn't expecting at all. Um, 
and they, they threw me into the fire, and I was the second baseman on a, on a really good team. When, when, when you go to the, the, the Marlins, Jim Leland is the manager of that team, and I mean, it, you're right. It's a veteran-laden team, a lot like the team in many ways you would play later for, the Diamondbacks, a bunch of guys who had played other places, uh, not won a World Series. You go there as a young guy. Um, did, did Jim Leland tell you right away, I brought you here to play every day, or did you just sort of work your way into that spot? Yeah, I mean, Jim Leland was a treat to play for. Um, you know, he when I when he called me and told me, he said, "I don't even know how to spell your name. I don't know who you are. Um, we traded for you. They tell me, <laughs> they tell me you can play second base." Um, so that was a little auspicious beginning. After the first day taking batting practice, uh, I took I went out for early batting practice. Figured, you know, a little eager, you know, wanted to impress everybody. Go out for early batting practice. After I hit. He told me to never come out for batting practice again. He said, if I have to, if I have to ever watch you hit again, you'll never play. Um, so I, I wasn't really sure what to expect when I got to Florida. Um, but he, 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 I learned so much from him. Um, he, he was gruff, but loved, but loved his players. Um, and everybody sensed it and everybody responded to it. Um, and I, I felt like I had to prove it to him. Uh, so I don't know if his plan was to play me or not. I just went out there and tried to prove it to him every day that I belonged in the lineup. Well, you know, you get to the 97 World Series that year, Game 7, unbelievable World Series against the uh, Cleveland Indians. You actually tied the game. I mean, the, the Indians are trying to close this thing out, and they got Jose Mesa on the mound. You hit a line drive into right, sack fly, ties the game at two, and and then comes the 11th inning. And uh, you end up scoring the winning run in the bottom of the ninth inning in Game 7 of a World Series. Now, now look, you've been asked about that moment in time and, and what that was like and all that kind of thing. But, but I always love asking guys if they remember the, the, the second the base hit goes up the middle by Renteria. What popped into your mind? Was it a person? Was it the scene? Was it just try to get home and tap the plate? What was going through your mind? Do you remember even now? Yeah, I mean, I, I really, you're so, I was so in the moment that I didn't, I didn't get past like do your job, uh, really, which was like run home, right. don't screw it up, right. make sure you got to make sure you've done everything right. Um, I, and I love that. I, I mean, I, you, I think it's a message that you try to extend to today and, and managing and coaching is to stay in the moment. Um, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to, once you make the situation bigger than it is, I think that's when mistakes happen and non-performance happens. So I, I don't remember much besides making sure I kind of remember my base running, you know, cues that were appropriate, uh, not get doubled off on a line drive, you know, whatever, um, and, and make sure you do everything right. Um, after you after you step on the plate, uh, you know, Jim Leland always said this: it's you get to act like a little kid. Uh, grown men get to act like little kids, and, and that's the best part about it. Two years later, um, you go to the Dodgers and you got released. I mean, they had made a trade to bring you in. Why did they let you go? Um, I think they had at that point. I was an extra. Um, 
I was, you know, the back of their 40 man roster. Um, and, and they just had options they liked better at that point. Uh, it ended up being the best thing that happened. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, you get picked up by the Diamondbacks immediately. And, and, and again, we get back to this thing. Uh, here, here's a team loaded with stars. Um, the, you know, they had gone out. Uh, the year before expansion, they bring in Matt Williams and Jay Bell. A year later, they bring in Steve Finley, Luis Gonzalez, uh, Todd Stottlemyre. Um, of course, Randy Johnson uh, was the you know the the the, the best pitcher on the planet. Um, a year later, uh, the year you come over to the team, they they, they swing a deal and bring in Kurt Schilling uh, over from the Philadelphia Phillies, and you know. All of a sudden, here you are. Um, you're, you, you play for Buck Showalter initially, and then Bob Brenly, who is one of the team's announcers at the time, he was my partner for many, many years, not only with the Diamondbacks, but with Fox, and he had been a coach in the major leagues and obviously a player in the major leagues. But the bottom line was he was coming to manage a team that was ready to win and win right now. Do, do you recall... You know, any of the players or any of your teammates, any conversations you guys had, you know, right after that announcement was made, that one of the broadcasters was going to manage this team? Yeah, I mean, I think I wasn't in a position really to judge it as I was kind of trying to make that team, to be honest with you. But as, you know, as you got into spring training a little bit and you recognized what Bob's style was going to be, um, and he, he just, he made the great decision of like turning the clubhouse over to the players um, and letting and trusting the players um, who, who were accomplished and were frankly, who were very hungry to win mm-hmm. that that would iron out. They would fix a lot of the problems that a team has over the course of seven months. Um, and that trust um is something I think is a skill that managers don't get credit for a lot of times. And I think um, because it's not necessarily something you're doing, it's something you're not doing. And sometimes the things you don't do uh, are the, are the smartest things. And, and that's what Bob did there. And I thought it was a great decision. In that 2001 playoff run, uh, I mean, with all these incredible stars, you know, I, I, I just mentioned a few of them a moment ago, and yet it's Craig Council who's a National League Championship Series most valuable player. Um, you know, you, you go back to the way you played in the 97 postseason for the Marlins and and, and hit 300 in the, um, you know, the World Series and all that kind of thing. You're batting down the bottom of the batting order, but obviously making things happen for that team. Um you're closer to the top with this team. Um, do you think there is something to be said, and whether it's going back to your playing days, you obviously had whatever it is of uh, being able to step up at the biggest moments on the biggest stage. Do, do you think that that's, that's something that just some people, for whatever reason, I'm not asking you to pat yourself on the back, but even now as a manager, do, do you sense or, or are able to tell, whether it's your own players or even players you play against on a regular basis inside your division, that some guys in the biggest moments on the biggest stage, they're just ready to handle it and thrive? Yeah, I mean, it's a great. I don't. It's it's a question that sports fans and I think anybody in sports will be trying to answer forever. And I, and I don't, I don't know if I have the perfect answer for you. Um, I I think ultimately, you know, great players will figure out a way to shine. Uh, it, it's it's just what you do, uh, and and you need the, you need to be in those moments to to have it happen. So, 
um, the more moments you get, you know, the more chances you get, the better, the better chance it's going to happen. But I was, look, you know, I, I was fortunate for two, for two years in a row to win a world series that unfortunately now I've been in baseball 20 more years and it has, I haven't been a part of one and haven't been able to get to one. So, you know, I've, I've had more chances and it's, and it's not easy. So those moments, um, you know, they're, they're difficult. Um, when you get them, you got to capture them is how I always see it. I think that's when we talked about earlier is like why you stay so focused and why you stay so in the moment when you get to those places. Um, so I, I think there are performers for sure. I think there's more than we think. Uh, we don't, sometimes if a guy gets one shot at it and fails, we, we put a label on him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair. Um, but I do think there's performers and, and there's some guys that are special, special performers. Um, and those are the guys that tend to be in those spots more often than not. Game seven, bottom of the ninth inning. Um, you reach base uh, against the greatest closer in the history of baseball. And, you know, we can talk about a lot of different positions, and we can talk about a lot of different guys. You know, the catcher. You know, is it this guy? Is it that guy? Center field, whatever. Uh, I don't know anybody that would argue about Rivera, especially his his uh, accomplishments in the postseason. Um, you guys come to bat. And the inning starts with a base hit by Mark Grace into center field to start the inning. You're down a run, bottom of the ninth. Um, you know, when you're a player, I don't want to ask you so much as a manager, but when you're a player and here comes Mariano Rivera, I mean, do guys in the dugout really believe we can get this guy? I, I look, I think, you know, it's a tall task um, for sure. I, I don't, you, you tell yourself, you lie to yourself uh, because no, that, you know, the odds are against you, you know, it's stacked up against you. Uh, but you, you convince yourself you can, and you're going to, you know, try your butt off to, to try to make it happen. Um, and, and that's what we did. But do they really think it's going to happen? No, but that's, you got to You got, sometimes you got to fake it until you make it. Well, there, there's no doubt about that. You you go on and you play 10 more years. Um, it, w- was playing in your hometown different than managing in, in your hometown as you do now? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. So, the, you know, I think sometimes what, what, I, what I enjoy about what I'm doing now as managing is that I, got, I have a why of, you know, my, my kind of purpose of what I'm doing. Um, and that's, that's to have baseball be meaningful in this city. Um, and really that was my goal as a player as well, that the team had not made the playoffs for a long, long time. Um, I wanted to help and be part of a team and, and part of the organization when we could return to, to being a playoff contending team. Um, that was the goal. Um, uh, I thought they had some young players that, that really were going to make it happen. I was just going to help, you know, be the bumpers almost in a, like in a, in a bowling alley and help those guys perform and help those guys be the best they could be um, and, and perf- have a supporting role in, in that case. And we had some pretty good teams. We, we, we didn't quite get to, you know, the world, a world series, but we had some darn good teams with the Prince Fielder and, and Ryan Braun and guys like that. 
You know, you become manager uh, after two and a half years out of retirement. You did go to work in the Brewers front office. You were watching the team play regularly. You were helping to make, you know, personnel decisions and, and doing a little bit of broadcasting at the same time and all that kind of thing. Now, all of a sudden, in May of 15, uh, Ron Renneke has let go. Uh, he had done a nice job there, uh, but the team started to falter and they let him go. You step in there. Um, what what was the most important adjustment you had to make? Because you just you just you gave the name Ryan Braun. He wasn't the only one. I mean, there were guys that were still around that you had played with, and now all of a sudden you're their manager. Yeah, I, I think the the best thing that happened to me at that point is I had no idea what I didn't know. Um, so I, I kind of stepped into it, and um, I, I was probably pretty aggressive from the start, and and that probably helped me. Um, and I think that to the to the players that I had both had played with and and maybe knew me, um, you know, as a player or competed against. Uh, I, I think it just helped gain some respect for this guy knows what he's doing or believes in what he's doing um, is going to be firm with his beliefs. Um, and I think that was the important thing um, is that you, you're firm with your beliefs, uh, especially early on. Um, and it establishes some things that you need to establish and it just makes it easier as time goes on to, to maintain those standards. You know, you hear so much, Craig, about changing the culture. I mean, I, I wish I had a dime for every time I've heard heard somebody, uh, whether it's an owner, whether it's a GM, whether it's a manager, whether it's a player, whatever, uh, changing the culture of a team or a franchise. Uh, as the manager of a major league team, you know, the Brewers had a nice uptick there for a while with, with Fielder and those guys. Then all of a sudden it starts to go down, which gave you a chance to take over as a manager. You start building the thing a little bit. But 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 what does changing the culture mean? I mean, you, yeah, you're the manager. And yeah, you're calling the shots in a game. And, and yeah, you're calling the shots in that clubhouse along with letting your players, you know, call shots as well. But you have a general manager. You have an owner of a team. What does it mean to to change a culture yeah it's a it's a business buzzword for sure and look i don't i don't i don't know if i what i set out to do was be myself um and be very consistent in my behaviors to trust uh people to do their jobs uh after i explain to them like you know what their jobs were and and what i expected of them i tend to trust them to do it um but it most importantly i think it's a consistency of your behavior um that's when people start to trust in what you do um you get some results behind it and then you have some freedom to to operate And, and so I've never sought out the word culture and, and like made specific plans about I'm going to do this to change the culture. Um, I've tried to be myself. I've tried to be consistent. And and then as much as anything, I think you have to be selfless. Um, and that's, I think, where most people get tripped up um, because you make a lot of sacrifices when you're selfless um, and they don't always feel good. And um, you, you don't always win the battle um, when you're selfless, but I think it's an important thing to, to being consistent and then to getting the people to trust you. Where did you find more pressure as a player or a manager? Uh, I would say, I would say I feel more as a manager. Absolutely. Why do yeah, you think? I think, the, I, I think, um, 
there's you you feel a, just a greater responsibility um, for, for more people. When you're a player, you are a teammate, um, and you have responsibility to them. But you're really responsible for your performance. Uh, that's why you're there. You're responsible, you know, for your performance sure. is what you're responsible for. And as as a as a, as a manager. You're responsible for you feel uh, you feel a tiny part uh, of the responsibility performance of everybody around you, and so that um, I think that that just wears on you a little bit from time to time, um, and it also consumes you uh, because there's a lot of you're, you're you're trying to help a lot of people. You know, um, you, you, I mentioned earlier, you know, you, you've had great success here. Now, the last four years, you've won two division titles. You, you've led the, the, the franchise for the first time ever to four straight playoff appearances. You've not been to the World Series yet. Um, you know, you, you hear guys say, and you brought it up earlier, that, that you know, you won a World Series in 97. You were a, a part of another team that won it no one. You've not done it since. And you hear people say, man, it's hard to win. It's hard to win at all. Um do, do you see that differently now and that maybe a guy your age who's been through what you've been through has a better feel for truly how hard it is and maybe some of the guys that are out there actually out there playing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as you get shots at it, um, it, it, it starts to actually – it does feel harder. Um, you know, we've, had, we've had four shots at it. Um, you know, I, I will tell you this year was almost especially disappointing for the Milwaukee Brewers. We, I think we felt like, you know, this might have been our, this was our best team um, since we've been here. And so that, that just makes it sting a little bit more. Um, and then you can get knocked out in the first round uh, because it's a five game series and, and baseball happens. Um so I, I I do think you're right. Kind of the longer you're around, the, the more difficult you do feel it is. Um, it, it you do end up telling yourself, keep giving yourself shots. If you keep giving yourself shots, one of these times it's going to be your turn um, or your team your team's turn. Um, that's the best way to get it done again, and, and we've done a good job of that. Um, but breaking through is still hard. Is today's player you hear all the time? I mean, hell, you hear it about you know our, our kids. Oh, the kids today, you know, compared to you know, and you have four kids at home, and, and I got two at home, and 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 you hear, oh, they're soft, or they're this, or they're that, you know, and 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 self-absorbed or self-consumed, and blah blah blah. Um, do you find that today's player is different than than the player when when you were coming up, or even even the player who walked away when you walked away in in two thousand eleven? Absolutely not. I, I, I think players are players. I don't think players have changed very much. Um, I think the world around players has changed a lot. Yeah. Um, and that changes, uh, that changes them a little bit without a doubt. I mean, I mean, social media has changed players. Um, it's changed all of us. And, and so that, that's, that's the biggest difference, um, from, from when I played, but players, they have the same dreams. They have the same insecurities. Uh, they're afraid of the same things. They want the same things. And so, and they, and they love the same things. They really do. And so, and they, they're, they're tremendous competitors, uh, which has never changed. Um, so I, I always, I find that, um, a little hollow. I know as we get older, <laughs> we, we, we look fondly back on when we were younger and pretend we were, 
some kind of gladiator that was heroic um, and, and different than today's version of gladiator, but, but we really weren't. You have two sons who are really good baseball players. You have one playing in college, and you have another who's going to have a chance to play at a big-time college as well when he gets out of high school. Um, do you find yourself, um, you know, you've given so much to the game and of yourself um, as a player and the work that's involved to try to stay on your game year after year. And you had 17 years plus years, 18 years in the big leagues uh, and the commitment that takes. Um, and, and now you've been managing uh, for seven. Uh, do you ever find yourself, you know, whether you're in a hotel room and in fill in the blank or you're sitting with your wife uh, at home at, uh, late after a game where you say, man, I, you know, all I want to do is go watch my kids play. Do you think that you're going to have to make that decision? Um, yeah, look, every dad thinks about that things, those things a lot, I think. I think you're, you're only human if you do. Um, I think about it in a couple ways, uh, Tom. I, I, I think, one, um, that um, baseball has given as much to me as I, has give, have, I have given to it. Um, so I think it's a two-way street and everything a lot of what I've have in life and the joy that's been brought to my life is because of baseball Um, and so I owe it just as much Um, I also think going to work every day um, and and having my kids see that I think is meaningful to them Um, and 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 they're taking that in and they know dad works hard um, and they know that's how you got to do it Um, and, and I think I, I do value that, but um, look, I've had, I have thoughts of absolutely uh, touring the country someday and, and going on a college baseball tour and just watching my kids play. I think it'd, it'd be the it'd be a, the best road trip of my life. All right, now I talked to your wife when I saw you um, at the the Diamondbacks twentieth reunion, and and I said, hey, look, I said, you know, he's got to be doing something this winter. I mean, he's not out working full time somewhere, and he's got to stay on top of his players and the organization and everything going on. I said, but what, what else is he doing? And she's like, well, he's doing what you used to do. And I said, well, what's that? She said, he's coaching basketball for one of our daughters. He's the assistant coach. How's that going? Those were some of my favorite moments of my life. We're coaching my sons and daughters basketball teams. Yeah, it's a blast. I, I love coaching the sport of basketball. Um, we my da- my youngest daughter is a seventh grader, and it's uh, she's on a, a team with seven other great girls who love to compete. And and anytime you get around a bunch of whether it's adults or kids that just love to compete, like you're gonna have fun. And and uh, we have a blast together. Um, and it's, but the, my time doing it's coming to an end because um, I'll have to turn them over when they get to high school. But it's you're right, Tom. It's it. There's nothing better. Um, and it. And basketball is a hard sport to coach. Yeah, it, is. it really is. It's, yep. it, it's it's a difficult sport to coach. Um, you you really got you got to know what you're doing. <laughs> I actually think you can fake it in baseball a little bit better. <laughs> but, uh, in, in in basketball, you got you get exposed real quickly if you don't know what you're doing. 
Well, Craig, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I, you know, I root like heck for you. My, my son Luke and I find ourselves, you know, uh, after everything that's kind of gone down over the last year and a half, at least in our world, that, you know, if, if when it comes to watching baseball, we, we always like finding a way to, to, to root for the Brewers and, and, and just because we know you and your family so well. And, and, uh, and I know one of these days it's going to happen for you where you guys are going to win the whole thing because you guys are doing it the right way up there. It's a great franchise. It's a phenomenal city. City, unbelievable fans. Uh, the whole the whole state of Wisconsin is just unbelievable fans and people, and um, and you got a lot of people out there rooting for you, my friend. So I can't thank you enough for the time. I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for the chat. All right, buddy. Be well. Craig Council, kind enough to join us on Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Uh, we'll take next week off as uh, we got the um, Thanksgiving holiday coming up. And I certainly want to wish all of you uh, a a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you have a chance to spend time with people you love, uh, whether they be family, whether they be friends, whether they be people. You know, Craig just said it a minute ago about being selfless. You know, maybe you're going down to serve food at a a shelter and you're going to see people that... uh, that have a lot less than you and me and everybody else. Uh, We have so much, thank God, to to be thankful for um, from this country we live in to our health, to our friends, to our family, to to our way of life. And um, I wish you all a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.